Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Dose of Leadership Podcast, episode 181. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome all Dose of Leadership Nation listeners. I appreciate you taking the time to tune into the show once again. I love the comments I'm receiving, the emails. Please keep them coming my way. If you've got any questions about leadership or you, you know, questions about your, what you should do with leadership, if you're having a leadership challenge, let me know. Send it at richard at doseofleadership.com. I'd be more than happy to answer your questions and maybe even read your questions on the air and answer them there. Hey, I want to introduce my new friends to the show, new partners to the show, 99designs. And these guys have tons of experience. They've really helped me on my branding. And having experience these days is totally priceless. More than 300,000 design projects have passed through the doors at 99designs, and that's expertise. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I chose to work with them on my design projects. Go visit 99designs.com slash leadership, and you can get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free today. Well, I'm absolutely thrilled to have Beverly Golden on the show today. She's a writer, rocketeur, wordsmither, song creator, soul hippie, peacenik, and self-professed guinea pig. Wow, I love that introduction. She loves testing unconventional ways to shift paradigms in the playing fields of healthcare, storytelling, and of course, world peace. With the heart of a compassionate, she views the world as a full-glass optimist and courageously uncovers the humor in life's crazy situations, offering hope while promoting inner wisdom through the written word. Beverly, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here, Richard. It's going to be fun. Absolutely. I'm just I'm so excited. This, you know, we were talking before the recording started and how this show has kind of progressed. And these are my favorite type of interviews, talking and and learning and and hearing the stories. And I love storytellers because that's that's the the best part. So I had a brief introduction there. I love the name. I didn't get the name of your book, but your first book called Confessions of a Middle Aged Hippie, which I just love. Um, it talks Thank about you. stories from your years in the entertainment industry and your stories of survival after some health issues. So again, what brought you to, um, I don't know, tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you kind of became this full glass optimist. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> lots of resistance and, you know, lots of, I guess, life experiences, right, that uh, maybe teach you to be more open, you know, when you're young and you feel that you have uh, a lot of answers and that your answers are the answers. Um, so I had a lot of health issues from a very early age, and it's kind of been my journey. You know, I say I've had this journey back to health because really I had um, kind of undiagnosed a lot of the time, things that would flatten me. Um, I was always able to rebound. And then about 12 years ago, I had what I would say would be the most dramatic uh, fall from health, and nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. I lost 40 pounds literally in three months, which I'm sure anyone, no matter what weight you can imagine, that's very, very dramatic. Um, And, you know, it was this really, it was a very challenging time because there were many, many, many people, even my family, who did not agree with any of the choices I made. So I think one of the things I've learned through all of this is to appreciate and trust my inner voice 
Because mm. what I find, even, I mean, now so more than even back then, we're bombarded. We really are bombarded with input, information. People have opinions. People have more statistics than ever. People have more information than ever. And it was really this time where when you know when you have people look at you and think wow this could go either way i was that far down that there were probably as many people who thought i wasn't going to make it as wow. people who thought i was going to make it so um a lot you know i've had an interesting life my mother said you've had a rotten life but i'm like <laughs> no i've had a great life you know um because i I've, I've learned a lot the hard way you know, I guess it could have been easier in retrospect, but who's looking back? It's really where are you at now? What have you, what have you overcome in your own life? And, you know, this is we were mentioning, I think we're all individual. We all have individual journeys. Some people learn things quickly. Some people take a longer time. And this last journey back to health for me was pretty grueling. You know, I was at the point where I weighed 89 pounds. Oh, I couldn't Lord. gain any weight. I was so suffering from uh, severe malnutrition that people thought, she's not going to make it through this. So, you know, a lot of this I write in my book, and I wanted to be as open and vulnerable as I could be because one of the things people say to me is, you really give me hope. If it's possible that you came back from where you were at, then, you know, hope exists. And again, I talk a lot about active hope. So it's not you sit and you hope something will happen. It's like you hold that hope you know, as the possibility, and you take actions that will move you in a forward direction. And isn't that really kind of the um, definition of any, or in that definition, isn't it really kind of the gift of any of adversity? I mean, I wouldn't wish uh, illness or, or tragedies on anybody, but like we were talking before the recording, at some point, you know, the shoe is going to drop, whether you like it or not. And this shoe certainly dropped on you. You wasn't expecting it. Um, but you Fortunately, you came out on the other side, and really what you've had um, with all adversities is some sort of gift or some sort of, I don't know, enlightenment, and, and like you talk about in Confessions of Middle-Aged Hippie, it's, yeah. and what I like is, is that, that um, I, th I think I'm using your words here, that your dreams are too precious not to pursue. I mean, so that is that kind of the enlightening, uh, most enlightening thing that came out of that experience, or what was it? Well, I, I think a lot of it was just to finally trust my inner voice, you know, and I mean, it's, I, that might sound like there's a lot of people who aren't that in touch, and believe me, for a lot of years, my head ruled, and I'm sure there's people who are listening who, you know, we have this nonstop conversation going on in our heads all the time, and it's almost like this battle with between the head and the heart, mm. and it's like, how do we finally get to this place where we're going, I don't care if every doctor in the world tells me this. I'm hearing something different. You know, and I flew off. I was really that sick and, and very, very spontaneously. I found out about a place in Germany. I flew to Germany because I thought, I'm going to be healed. You know, like, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be healed. And, of course, what, you know, the healing come, it's an in, I say it's an inside job. You know, so as much as I would try everything that was happening out there, I was really one of those people who thought, oh, this sounds amazing. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. There's a new therapy, a new supplement, a new treatment. And um, the reality is really most of our work is inner work. You know, it's how we react to situations in life. I just read that somewhere again that 10% um, are circumstances that happen to us, but 90% is really how we react to it. And, you know, we're emotional beings. So often I got very caught up in the emotional part of it all, and we weave these wonderful stories. So storytelling in kind of a factual and non-emotionally attached way, you know, and this is what I, I found. I was, I, what did I wear, uh, drama queen supreme. <laughs> um, you know, through this all, it's like, I really wanted to be right. I wanted to be right. And I've learned there is no right or wrong. There's really only a perspective. And, you know, if you change that perspective, it kind of opens up all these new possibilities in the world. And it is about being open. And one thing, I was always open, but I think, you know, some of us, like me, <laughs> have this resistance that we carry around. It's like, no, I'm going to show them I'm right. right. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to show them I'm really right. I really know. And, it's, you know, that's not what life is about. And I think for me it was 
I'm so grateful in a lot of ways that I, I took the path I was. You know, in other ways, I'm like, wow, it would have been cool if it happened, you know, much earlier. But it was all of those things, I think, contribute. And for everybody, I'm sure you'd agree, all of these experiences in life contribute to who you kind of are unfolding and who you become as you go as you go and you age and you mature and you have experiences, and those experiences influence other people. Yeah. You know, you can help other people through them. You know, it's it's. I wish I would have had the. Um, you know, I try not to live in regrets. It's one of my things I've really had to work through over the last fifteen years. But you know, looking back and what I'm hearing in some of the stump you know, statements is, is like living the life that that you were and that purpose that you were supposed to do. I think for so long, and I know I'm guilty of this, is doing things that was expected of me, and it and it led to choices and really an unhappiness that uh, that was perpetuated by those choices and. Um, yeah. And now it's in the process of, okay, now I'm going to live a life that that's true to, to who I am, I guess. And wouldn't that be amazing if all of us had that from an earlier I age? I know, right? right? Like, because I also had these huge, like, well, I'm going to go to business school and I'm going to be this. But, I mean, I had, you know, the whole thing. By age 35, I'm going to be rich and famous. Those were really <laughs> right, big ones exactly. for me, rich and famous. And, I mean, you know, life just has other plans for you sometimes. So it's like, how do you go with flow and I'm I admit I'm not a person who necessarily went with the flow you know I wanted to kind of create my own flow I walked to the beat of my own drummer which can be good but it can also be isolating right you're on your own um you know I don't I don't know if you know but when I went to Germany I was in a wheelchair at the um, airport and my daughter actually gave me permission to die she said, Mom, you've been suffering so much. And, like, my family did not know if I would come back alive. That's how critical and how serious it was. Wow. And, you know, I looked at her, and I was just like, what do you mean? I still haven't done what I've come here to do. You know, so there was hopefully an inner knowing in me that I trusted. But believe me, when I got to Germany, I realized how far down I was. And I, I think for a lot of us, when you're in the middle of it, sometimes you're uh, blinded in a way, you know, like, because you're right in the middle. You don't see that yes. big picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was challenging. Imagine anybody in your family saying, it's, you know, giving you permission to die when that hadn't really even crossed your mind yet. Well, guys, um, and, the, and, yeah. the, and the bad thing about that is I could see myself, um, and I'm curious if, if this came across you. Okay, so now you've got, you now your daughter's giving, she, she sees how bad this is. Did at that point did you think well maybe everybody's right maybe I should raise the white flag or did that did, or did you think that for a moment and go the other way or I mean did you struggle back and forth with that? When anybody you know here's one of the things so I'm a bit of a contrarian so I say I'm a paradigm skewer so whenever there's a life paradigm that everybody would be you know saying no this is the way it is I would go yeah let's see I mean I was told a lot of times Richard that that's not possible that's impossible and that in a way <laughs> what fueled me I'd go oh yeah well let's see what's really possible <laughs> let's see what's really possible here and I mean that's some people could say that's the stubbornness the resistance I think when it really hit me was when I did get to Germany and you know the first exam that they did and I looked in the mirror and I actually did have this thought oh my god where has my body gone wow. I was like and for three weeks there I couldn't even walk up a flight of stairs that's how weak I was so I was pretty critical and in a way there's a desperation when you're that critical because you want them to have the answers for you <laughs> you know the yeah. answers in quote and of course it was an amazing time there but it, you know I did not come back really any better then I had gone there. It um, was a very rude awakening that this was going to be a lot longer, uh, you know, climb, we'll say, back to health. And there were times even from that time, 12 years ago, until, say, when finally, I'd say maybe four or five years ago, when I I am really healthy now. So if anyone's wondering what happened, I am healthy now. So that's why it's like people who knew me then and saw me and thought this could go either way, say this is really hopeful that this was possible and it was all a series of steps you know it wasn't one thing i've often had my mother at that time and you know nothing's working nothing's working what are you going to do and it's kind of an interesting outlook because what if everything was working you know what if everything put together was what was working as opposed to nothing's working that's interesting and you know that's a mother being desperate of course seeing their child being so ill so um, this is why I say it's so individual. You know, if I hadn't made certain 
choices to you know keep moving forward who knows what would have happened and I mean part of me is this like you know I feel there's um, a degree of complacency at times where people feel they don't have any choices and like they just accept this lot in life and it's like no you have to you know keep searching ask questions I'm a voracious question asker don't accept everything on face value you know get another opinion find the answers that actually are the answers you want to hear so, I mean, all of those were things I developed, but believe me, you know, like when I was in my 20s or even 30s, I certainly didn't have that um, experience set. I won't even call it a skill set, but, you know, when you have cumulative experiences that really contribute and then you are very sure, you really do have an inner knowing that you can count on yourself um, to make the choice that's best for you. Oh, that's just... That's just... So many questions. I think the first one that's coming to my mind is is yeah. how much do you think that um, you said earlier that it, you, you think a lot of your um, survival was linked to that inner voice or the inner spirit? How much of it do, it was uh, a mental outlook? I guess. I mean, in other words, if you didn't have, if you weren't who you were in the way that you look at the world right now, do you think you would have survived? I know that's kind of a hard question to answer, but. Yeah, it is really hard because, like, you wouldn't believe some of the diagnosis I had. I mean, at one point I was told, you better get on the list for a liver transplant. That's how serious you are. And I was like, what? Yeah, well, we don't like that. <laughs> I don't think that's a suggestion I'm going to take. So then where do I go? Like, what direction do I go now with someone who said, oh, no, we can try this or we can do this. So I've had some pretty, um, in I mean, intense moments where people have – not agreed when I don't listen to the professionals and you know I'm putting quotes around that and I have utter respect for people who are professional but they don't have all your answers you know they don't have the answers that are the answers for you they have statistics right they have what is predictable based on statistics but what I learned is the human spirit is so much more powerful right. than statistics and that has been, I mean, that's proven even more so now, right? We have incredible energy. We have the ability to transform and to heal. And I don't know. I just never thought I wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? Like right. even during all those crises. And I think I mentioned in earlier crises, it was kind of I'd have a crisis, but I'd be able to bounce back much more quickly. So this time was like, wow. You know, I got to the middle of it where literally I wasn't, I had gained six pounds, so I weighed maybe 95 or 96 pounds, and I was still, from the outer, you know, uh, if you were looking at me from the outside in, I still did not look healthy, but I was living my life, and I kind of came to this, okay, you know, I'm not gaining weight, but I'm still having a life, you know, but then it's like, well... That was the minimal. It's like, how do I really heal this? What other choices do I need to make? And a lot of this, this is why, I, in a way, I wrote the book. You know, I've had some amazing times in the entertainment industry, but my whole life's been peppered. You know, like, it started for me when I was 12 years old. So throughout all of this journey, this health issue has been a really big one. And um, I've learned a lot. I've learned that I, know, I hope this isn't too radical for people listening. You know, there's no physical illness that really just starts on the physical level. Mm. There's something else much larger than that. You know, there's an always emotional components and spiritual components because we're not just physical beings. And I don't think that's news to anyone. So for people who, for me, would try to treat me only on the physical level, I think there must have been an inner knowing that, like, that's not, that could be short-term, but that's not the long-term solution. You know, that's not the way to really transform this. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, um, a lot of staying open and trusting myself, and even honestly, Richard, I had times when my family go, I think you should do that. I think you should do what that doctor said. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Wow. Yeah. That inner voice is so powerful. Do you know who Jane Warlow is? Have you ever heard of Warlow? W-A-R-R? Uh, it sounds very vaguely familiar, but I'm not sure. She, I've had, exactly. her, had her on the show, and she's a great um, coach and speaker, and, and um, she had a similar story very similar to yours and uh, had an illness that uh, and I think she's in her upper 40s now but it's the same thing that uh, no one could answer and everyone's like well you might as well just cash it in and her inner spirit inner voice was saying no no you know and she attributes yeah. her healing 
specifically to that and that and and it just kind of baffled everybody but she and that's what's kind of drives her kind of take on life and leadership and she does a lot of executive coaching and she focuses on that said look your inner voice your inner spirit is very 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 powerful and um it is and, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of people who, you know, I run into, you know, I just wrote a little giveaway, like, you know, five tips for tapping into your intuition because there are a lot of people who, listen, it's noisy out in the world. It mm-hmm. is noisy. And sometimes it's hard to know what's mine, what's the outside world's influence, what's the cumulative, you know, over the years. So, it's, I mean, I, I know everybody has it. I mean, that's the other thing. There's people who say, I don't. I don't know. I don't think I have an inner voice. It's like, well, the inner voice isn't in your head. That's for sure. Mm. The inner voice is, you know, it's when you get past that kind of ongoing dialogue and noise. And yes, everybody does have it. And this is why I'm I'm sure you see meditation is becoming so um, popular, so mainstream, right? But uh, I've read stuff that say if you taught meditation in grade school, within one generation we would have a peaceful planet. Like wow, that's. I mean, I might be quoting it. Not you know, it's very, it's very powerful. Though. And again, you know, I don't meditate in a traditional way. I just find walking or, or being out in nature or gardening. You know, so it's individual. Everybody finds their own way. You know, back to that kind of inner, that inner voice. And the voice could be in your heart. It could be in your gut. You know, a lot of people talk about a gut response and that's that's you that's mm-hmm. you know that's you speaking to you yeah i love the um in the beginning of blink malcolm gladwell only talks about you know in the whole books about that the power of the intuition but they he gave that example of um they did an experiment i can't remember the exact numbers but where they um took a handful of individuals and they showed them they had to meet with these real people for 30 minutes and then you had to give do you trust this person do you like this person and then they did the same thing with a separate set of people but they just gave them a picture and let them look at the picture for five to seven seconds and um and i know they always say don't judge a book by its cover but it was amazing how the feelings of what the people thought about them were almost identical being based on the intuition and um I don't know. It's. I mean, if you think about it over the time, like how far we've evolved and how long, I mean, the intuition, and you can call it whatever you want, you know, the spirituality piece, the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's very, very powerful. You know, in flying airplanes, we, we're we taught to listen to that um, intently. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened where you've run things and say, something doesn't seem right. And we're encouraged to speak up to the other crew members. Something's not right here. And a lot of times... Sometimes it's innocuous, but there's always something there, you know? It's just amazing yeah. to me. Well, and the thing is, what if all, what if people really got in touch with that kind of human mm-hmm. part? I mean, a lot of things I talk about, you know, and I'm very troubled, like everyone, with how this planet seems to be a little bit out of um, control right now. Yeah. Are we moving closer, you know, to peace rather than farther away? And, you know, I talk a lot about... I mean, people talk about the title of my book, and of course, hippie has one connotation, right? Hippie has this kind of lifestyle connotation, and I really talk about the hippie value system, which is what is me, you know, so that's the kind of hippie I'm talking about. And that's, you know, those were the times when the peace movement started, when meditation, you know, like people were started talking about meditation, where we talked about consciousness and community and organic living and, of course, art and music, you know, and love. And, like, these are basic precepts of who we are as human beings. So, I mean, I like to say to everyone, well, you're actually a hippie. (laughs) You know, at the core, that's what the whole hippie is. At the core of who we are, we all embody these values. So, like, what is it that's happened that we continue to get farther away from them? And this is why I, you know, the more I read about, like meditation and the the positive effects that's having on stress, on calming people down. You know, our world is getting increasingly stressful. So it's like, what are the ways that you, as an individual, you know, the the overall you, find to really get back to that inner inner place? And really, the answer. I I mean, I I know it sounds trite to some, but the answers are there. We have our own answers. Maybe not answers for other people, but we have our own answers for sure. Oh, that's a great point, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that, I don't know, I guess it goes back to the cliche question, you know, what is what is happiness? I think a lot of the things, what you see, there's just so much, I don't know, any time that you see um, 
any sort of strife or inequalities or anything. It's all based on some sort of insecurity and in, in power. And um, mm-hmm. and uh, I was talking with my daughter on the way home right before this interview. We were talking about that, and she would. And I said, I don't know. I always have a problem with any organization that has an agenda because it may, and especially if they use a good cause uh, on the outside of it, because I, I, I challenge her. I said, you always need to look at what the people are actually doing. And if you follow uh, the money or the motives and what are the actions that they're doing, I, I don't know. I, it, I struggle with this because, I, I mean, I, I want people to, to be involved and to do things, but at the same time, I just power corrupts people so viciously, and well, um, and it's yeah, and especially this idea of outer power. So I mean, the idea of inner power is is actually amazing. You know, when you yes. really find this own inner power, and then you do have um, the means yes. if you call on that to really make changes out. You know, impactful changes where you know the the big thing for me is um, our humanity. You know, like what has happened that we don't respect or see the other human being and this is this is really a big one for me and um that we've come to a place where it's about something that really isn't that important so that's why i guess i constantly talk about you know how do we get back to this inner place uh embody the values that we all i believe are born with i mean nobody comes here hating isn't i think nelson mandela said you know people have to be taught to hate right this is not something we come here with we really all come here as joyful, baby, you know, mostly joyful, um, innocence, you know, and, and with love. We're pure love, and, and we generate that out. So how has it become so twisted in a way? And, you know, I don't have the answer. I just feel the more people who get on, you know, recognize this and want to embody these principles. I mean, I'd much rather be a peacenik than, you know, a warmonger, right? So I'd much rather be among the group that are standing for peace on the planet than the people who are perpetrating war. And this is what we all can do, and that's why, you know, another thing I know, and people say, I'm just one person, what can I do? And it's like, wow, if you only knew the power of one person, because all those one people, you know, coming together, we have a community, and then you have, you know, large populations. So I still am very hopeful. I must say I'm, I'm exceedingly hopeful. And I, you know, this is another theme. I'm the rose-colored glass optimist and the full glass optimist. I look at the world through rose-colored glasses, you know, the what's possible rather than what's not possible. And, you know, how, I mean, it's, it is challenging at times because we don't necessarily see the good news out in the world, that it's there, you know, and, and there, we, there's quite the awakening. There's more and more people. I mean, I was on a global peace meditation a week ago that was led by Deepak Chopra, and 100,000 people logged on. I mean, that's awesome. Right. That's encouraging, right, that there are people who are standing for peace in the world. They're standing for humanity. So it's, um, you know, this is our human challenge, I guess. It's... Uh, well, Something that we all, yeah, can contribute to. Hey, halfway through the show here, I want to take the time to pause and talk about 99designs, especially for you startup entrepreneurs, people who are thinking about starting a podcast. You know, we'd all like to avoid the dreary side of business. I know I did. I like the sexy side of doing these interviews, but let's face it, behind the work, there's paperwork, there's all kinds of things we got to do. If you've decided to take the leap and you're ready to start your own business, you're probably knee-deep in all kinds of details and you're overwhelmed, you know, and you may find that the creative side of your brain is craving attention. Luckily, there's one task you need to do that is more creative, and that is getting a few designs in place so you can begin connecting with clients, so you can start getting the name and face of your business. You know, with a powerful logo, a website, social media design, all of that, you'll be able to promote your business. It gets excited. It starts to become tangible and real, both in person and online, and you can start right away. At 99designs, a leader in the graphic design space, you can get anything designed in just a week for a startup-friendly price. I can tell you this is great, especially when you're in a bootstrap budget. 99designs can help you build your client base before you even open your doors. I've used 99designs, and I love the personal experience and the, and the, the, the flexibility of working with them. What if you could start your next design project today and have dozens of designs to choose from in just seven days? Well, you can. Visit 99designs.com slash leadership and get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free. Yeah, and I think, you know, going to your comment that can one person make a difference, and I talked about this on the show a handful of times, and I had uh, Jim Cousins, who's one of my favorite leadership authors, and 
we were talking about Rosa Parks and he has a great one of his books. He talks about this and think about the power of what she did a seamstress on her way home from work. Mm-hmm. Just was tired of what was wrong. And it, she, she didn't get up that morning thinking I'm going to help spark the civil rights movement in the United States. She just stood up for what was right. That's the courageous aspect of it. And that that's really at the heart of what you're talking about to, to be, and you look at all the great courageous leaders of the world who were all for peace, you know, the Gandhis of the world, and Martin Luther King and Mother Teresa. I mean, the, the unfortunate thing, and I don't think, it, I don't know how it will ever change, is the conditions for the average human being on this planet have never really been great since the dawn of, of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there there's obviously been exceptions, and I'm with you. I look at things as, as from an optimistic way. I mean, even with all the trouble and the, and, and, uh, Again, my daughter's kind of on this history kick, and she's pointing out all the bad things that have happened. And I'm like, look, we could spend a lot of time on that, but why don't we spend most of our energy on, on the good things and the exceptional things that have happened over the last you know, 230 years in the United States? We were talking about the United States, but I don't know. I think that you – know, I'm with you. I mean I think you, you have a choice to be optimistic or pessimistic, and being pessimistic just kind of feeds all the stuff that we see that – you know, kind of the uh, what I was getting to about the kind of the agenda-driven politics of you're right, I'm wrong type of thing, right? Yeah. And um, I, you know, until we change, I believe that outlook because really all they are are different perspectives. Yeah. And until we can objectively take the emotional, this is the whole idea of this emotional drama that gets involved. You know, what are the facts? And um, that's something I've learned really recently. Can you really step back and observe what's happening in any situation in your life? What's happening? What are the facts? Don't tell me a whole story with all the drama. Exactly. What are the facts? And often when you reduce it down to the facts, which you probably know, it's like, oh, well, that's not really as bad as I thought it was, or that I created. So, um, yeah, there's for all of us, we have an opportunity. And this is where I talk again about this idea of complacency. Like, I'm really a bit of a consumer megaphone, right? If there's something that needs to be spoken, I want to speak it. It's easy to say nothing. It's easy to quit. I mean, I'm sorry, but I feel that. It's easy to quit. Yep. It's easy, you know, to be the complacent one. Uh, there's a great line in a Stevie Wonder song that kept coming up. It's that you can't form a line if you're too scared to stand alone. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to be Rosa Parks. Yeah, you know, right. Somebody's exactly. got to be the person who just goes, yeah, I'm not taking this anymore, and stands up for these values like you know, that are so key. Like I said, I believe they're part of our humanity. And, oh, let's be optimistic and say we're, we're moving back. You know, we're returning to these things, and more and more people are aware of it, right, and instilling these in their kids, and then we have a future then when the kids grow up with these uh, you know values and ideals what do you say to the like this the abject evil that exists in the world i mean at some point i mean i'm i'm with you i love everything that you're saying but you know and i come from a place of coming from you know the marine corps where i'm with you nobody wants to go yeah. to war but somebody needs to know how i guess and i think that um you look at like what happened with the journalists earlier this week with, yeah. with the beheading with ISIS, I mean, when you look, I mean, that's just abject evil. There's nothing, I don't know how you define it. What What is your response to, to kind of that type of evil that exists in the world? Yeah, and I believe that we are. We have some very dark forces on this planet, right? And like, you know, light all... Light always comes out of darkness. Darkness doesn't come out of light. True. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. we have the ability to overcome the darkness as evil or as destructive as it seems, and it's very troublesome. And then, you know, I look at a bigger picture. I mean, I hear people like Marianne Williamson and other, you know, thought leaders and, and spiritual leaders say, the planet is a reflection of what we're allowing. Mm. So what is it as a race that we're allowing to be? And um, it's tough because then you go like, well, how are, I mean, I just look everywhere in the world and it pretty much is in our faces, right? So what's the message that's coming back to us? Like, we haven't done enough yet. (laughs) We haven't shifted the perceptions enough yet. We haven't shifted, like, what we're going to stand for on the planet. And I mean, there is a lot of great work being done. And I don't know that one event. I mean, I look at all the events that are happening and it's like, what's the bigger picture here? Is this more of a, like, such a wake-up call that people have to go, wait a minute, we don't stand for this anymore. And 
I don't know if continually, you know, I'm very torn also with what's going on in Gaza because there's these two diametrically opposed reports on how it is. And it's, um, the world has a lot of people who are after power, right? And they will flex their muscles in any way they can so that they can fulfill their agenda. And, there, you know, there are a lot of factions now, I agree, but I still feel it doesn't take as many people as we think to really shift the consciousness and to shift um, into more of a place of light, not delusionary light, you know, but light right. where we see that, like I said, people are being awakened. People are standing for things that are really important for our humanity. And, like, I don't know, it's sad to me that... You know, this seems to be a very perpetuating human behavior, and you wonder what has to happen for us to really wake up and really all be together. And I think there are great people out there who are, like I said, thought leaders, um, who are spiritual leaders, and it, it's in all factions. It's not just New Age spiritual, but there's amazing religious leaders. But, you know, whenever you get one of these in the middle, like one of those components in the middle... It always seems to be war. They're fighting for something. They're fighting for something, and it's power. Yeah, it's a it's a power, and coming from a place of of you know just years of you know you don't even know what the truth is anymore. I mean, what is the you know? And it's just like at some point, at some point, you just got to say, look, and. um, Everything that we should stand for should be you know about your your individual freedoms and the person you know and allow you to be to, to create and become the person that you were put on the planet to be and like i said i mean yeah. the history of the world is about that being oppressed and the more that you cannot oppress that i think the better it is and i think you're right i mean there is some and maybe i'm just getting more in tune with it from talking to people like yourself and having this show i mean i've certainly been uh, my eyes have been open to a lot more perspectives than i had you know, 24 months ago, but, um, it does seem like something's happening in terms of like the Deepak Chopra's and, and, um, and people like that, you know, super soul Sunday Oprah types, you know? Yeah. And I think it's great. And I think that reaches a lot of people and that shifts things. I mean, there's a great quote by Jimi Hendrix, you know, when the power of love overcomes the love of power, the world will know peace. And I mean, how simple an idea is that? Well, and yeah, at the heart of everything it is, and I talk about this a yeah. lot on the show, that at the heart of real leadership is love. And you look at all yeah. of the great significant leaders in the world, the ones that have really made significant impact on the planet, at the root of that was love. You know, and, it's, and, uh, and we are love. I believe we arrive here as pure love, like I said. You know, do you think babies know how to hate? No. No. They come here as pure love. It's all about teaching them to hate and to see differences as negative things. And like, why, you know, I mean, I'm definitely a person, I've never understood prejudice. I've never really understood, you know, those delineating lines that seem to be um, what separates rather than, uh, rather than connects. And like, I'm about how do we connect people? And this is becoming more important on our planet. Like, how do we build communities? And the community is just simply like, a, you know, someone a group of people who want to support the other people in the community. And I feel we're, in some ways we're being forced to move back to that because um, that's, that's very powerful, you know, to be in community. And people do find it in different ways, as I'm sure, you know, in your experiences you've found it in your ways. I found it with the art group that I was involved in that was really key to my healing, you know. So it's like really being in community, this isolation of the Internet. And, you know, this is... A big concern, like, you know, children who are not developing one-to-one communication skills. And there's a lot of isolation that's happening. There's a lot of people who do have a lot of fear, and they don't feel part of something. Um, so that's, those seem to be real key to me now. How do we build community again? How do we build compassion for human beings again? Yeah, and I think that's what's driving a lot. In fact, I know that's what's driving a lot of why I'm so passionate about leadership, because I think, you know, going back 10 years thinking, well, what leadership was about, you know, how can you be successful in this? But for me, it's, it's really come from a place of, um, I guess getting in touch with, again, like what we talked about earlier is like, first of all, doing what your heart and your purpose is telling you to do as opposed to what's expected of you. And then follow that with this idea that at, at the heart of every significant event in life is leadership, i.e. love. 
and without it, um, it's not sustainable. It, it's a, I don't know. I, I just I think that well, there's a really brilliant young man named Charles Eisenstein, and he has a book called Sacred Economics, and um, the issue we have on our planet now, and I'm not certainly not an economist, and I am certainly not you know that well schooled, but our model has been based on growth, right? So the economy is doing well when it grows. Well, we've come to a point where that kind of sustained growth is no longer possible. So he talks, he's very interesting because he talks talks about gift economy and this will all be bringing people more back into community where you'll share what you have and someone else will share what they have, right? So you're actually gifting your skills to someone. So I, I, you know, I had this thought many years ago, well, what if we have a future that money isn't, you know, isn't the, um, the way we exchange anymore, like that money isn't the currency of exchange, which seems so far-fetched to most people. I don't know what it's going to be, but he touches on this, and he's becoming quite a thought leader and has quite a large, uh, he's a very profound thinker, and um, he has several new books, but it was very impactful for me to read that there are other possibilities. You know, people have to get on board and not have money, like you talked about earlier. Money can't only be the goal anymore, yet there's so many people who can't even subsist you know, there's this huge disparity in the way uh, the resources on our planet are distributed. And, like, our compassion, our humanity has to give everyone an opportunity, like you said, to express their gifts and to have the ability to train for it. And, I mean, I've heard Mark Cuban say this. I've heard so many people talk about this. We re- really need to re give people the opportunity to re-educate, right, and develop skills that are needed now on, on the planet. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, I... I'd be careful. I'd love what you're saying there in terms of I'd be careful of saying, well, um, you know, even the ideas of like, well, let's, I'm good at this skill set. You're good at this. And let's share these resources. I mean, the, the, and it sounds good, but the bad news is, is that there's always somebody there that's, you know, maybe doesn't have the same ambitions that I do. And I think what, when I talk about ambitions, I'm not necessarily talking about profit, but I am talking about like the Cubans of the world, like you're talking about is it, the more financially free that we can all can become, the more resources we can um, apply to this kind of mindset that you're talking about, right? I mean, yeah. at some point, I guess I don't, I wouldn't want to look at the, um, or I wouldn't want to discourage anybody from making money. I guess, as long as the ideas behind the making of the money were um, towards creating something of significant value instead of just individual profit. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, and that's really where we've gone, right? We've gone to, well, they talk about whatever, the 1%, where, you know, the rich get richer, and then the middle class is almost non-existent, and then we have all this um, ridiculous number of poor people, and it's like, I don't understand that. I mean, the, the idea of the gift economy on a very simple term, though, too, is like, he'll talk about if... I'm a baker, and I baked 20 loaves of bread this morning. Well, I can't possibly eat 20 loaves of bread. So if I trade a loaf of bread for, say, you're the farmer and you have fresh milk, you know, it's that kind of an exchange. So you're really exchanging goods, not only skills, like I'm a carpenter and you're a plumber. You know, that that's a, a barter system. I know that's been going on for years. But it's really at the heart of being in a community and everybody contributing what they're contributing. So... I think we're still pretty far away from not using money, but I feel that has um, that to me. There's unfortunately there's a lot of uh, power wielding for certain resources on our planet, especially that will bring in money. Right? Um, my daughter has some friends who live in a Middle Eastern country now, where nobody ever talks about money because they're so rich. Everybody has money, and the government is basically the government. Um, it's it sort of sounds complicated, but the government supports everybody, and then there are people who have more money, but like it's just like this kind of dream land where everybody has money and nobody has to talk about money, uh, which sounds fairly idyllic, right? <laughs> like you can, and so it's uh, there are possible models, I think, you know, of what what we can create. I mean, I think there's much more consciousness. I see more people talking about. Um, you know, the conscious economy, where this is a whole idea of leadership, where a leader actually is leading. I mean, there's some great people out there. I love Seth Godin, and right. I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people who... Seth Godin, do you know Seth? Oh, yeah, I love Seth Godin stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
you know, so this is the idea of leadership. Everybody ships. Everybody has something to contribute, right? And everybody, it, it's not the old fear system where you have the leader at the top and all these guys who are scared, like, you know, to have a voice or, or to express their opinions. So it's like, it's, more, it's again, on in every part of our lives, it's like, how do I contribute as part of a community? Nobody is really going to, how do you, you can't contribute in isolation. So it's, it, you know, it, it's a challenging situation now. And, um... I think people have to realize that the things that used to work, like, you know, the old traditional models are one by one breaking down. And we are being forced to think outside that box, you know, and create a new way of being in the world. And like I said, I'm not political. I'm not economic. I'm a humanist. And I feel that everybody does deserve, you know, to be able to express themselves and not have to be working for jobs, you know, just so they can put food on their table. And in many ways, North America is an ideal uh, land of opportunity. You know, I just interviewed someone. I was writing his story who came from Nigeria. And they, it's interesting because he had an illness that took three years for them to diagnose there. Yet here, he would have been okay within a couple of months. You know, it's like we just don't realize what a majority of our planet is living, you know, the types of conditions they're living under. So um, that's why I guess North America still has its strong um, leadership model. Well, that's why I uh, wish I wish people would see more of it because, um, you know, take the politics aside, and I think, you know, there's been, you know, what what do we stand for? What is our moral compass? And what, what are we, you know, at the heart of, you look at how... Um, I mean, at the root of everything is the, the 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 freedom and the ability to have people create. I think a, a lot of we talk about a lot here is people don't create. And to Seth Godin's point, because of the fear, the limiting beliefs, the doubts, and all that other things. And if and if you can create an environment where people can freely create and can pursue their purpose and their passion again with a, a kind of a common sense humanistic approach to it, not not to. Um, you got to see how you fit into the big picture, I think. And you got to create, I, I guess for me, if you're not creating something of significant value and adding value to other people's lives, then you're doing a disservice to um, uh, humanity, I guess, if I can say that. Well, we're all here to do that, and somehow it's gotten forgotten. I mean, really, uh, at the core, we are here to be of service to each other. And it was interesting. I heard a talk not too long ago, and I mean, I have a lot of people who, absolutely believe they're not creative, you know, because they think of creativity in whatever way they do. It has to do with, I'm not an artist, I'm not a musician. So those are two ways. And at this talk, it, you know, a lot of the research is showing we're, we are hardwired for language. That's not a dispute. We know that as human beings, but we're also hardwired for creativity. Yeah. And creativity is really what came, and I wrote a piece called Finding Inner Peace Through Art, and Creativity is at the root of many of our solutions for this planet. So we need to encourage more creativity, more, you know, arts. I mean, they keep cutting all these budgets that will have kids experience um, some creative part of themselves. And that's really, I believe, a lot of the future of where, like you said, where people are going to unleash, I call it, their inner creativity and in whatever way. It could be business, it could be art, it could be anything. But those are where the solutions are going to come from. Oh gosh, what a fun conversation! I really in, thoroughly we've enjoy gone, this. Yeah, we've come in kind of an interesting. We've landed at quite an interesting right. place. Right. Well, I love what you do. I love your writings on the Huffington Post. I need to check out. I need to fully read your book. Um, I have so many books to read, as you can imagine, with with these yeah. interviews. But uh, I I just think you're so fun. I love your. Um, view on life, and certainly coming back from that adversity of, of the health scare, certainly is as. I've, I've gathered some perspectives that I can apply to my own life and I just appreciate what you do and, and what you stand for and, and um, thank you for all your contributions. No, and like I could just say to people, like all of us have that ability to lead by example. You know, I mean, isn't that what leadership is? Absolutely. Lead by example on whatever level. Like everybody has something to contribute. It could be huge, it could be small, but, you know, that's what I'd like to people to really understand that all of us are in this together. It's not one guy is, you know, more advantage than the other. We all have something equally valuable to contribute. Yeah, and you do matter. And I think that's that's significant for everybody to understand. And just because we talk about leadership here, it doesn't mean that you, it's not about the position, the CEO position or title. It's 
all of us can contribute and matter. And again, I going back to the Rosa Parks example, you know, yeah. her specific contributions sparked, or at least put it into hyperdrive, the civil rights movement that was fledgling at the time. And um, yeah. again, she she didn't wake up with an agenda. She woke. She was just trying to go home, and she was tired, you know, and. Yeah, lead from the heart. That's what I would say. I don't know. That just came to me, but lead from the heart. Yep. Yeah. And do what's right regardless. And that yeah. takes courage. And that's and it takes courage and accountability, and that's what's lacking in so many aspects. Yeah, and I think it becomes beyond just yourself, and that's the whole point of being of service, right? Where Absolutely. you take yourself in a way out of the equation, and you're doing this without, you know, it's selfless as opposed to selfish motives. So, I mean, I think if we all could move to that place, like I said, we all have the ability to contribute and lead by some example. Well said. How can people get in touch with you? Oh, well, my website is beverlygolden.com, and all my information and the book, more about the book, my writing from the Huffington Post, and Beverly is spelled with an L-E-Y, so it's B-E-V-E-R-L-E-Y, golden, G-O-L-D-E-N.com. And my book's Confessions of a Middle-Aged Hippie, and Confessions, it's really about being human. You know, people go, ooh, yay, sex, drugs, rock, roll. No, <laughs> it's about, like, really being vulnerable and being human. And um, that's what I'd say we're all kind of return to this humanness. So hopefully there's people are liking it so far. They're relating, which is cool. And not only for people who grew up in that era. I'm having people who are in their 20s and their 30s. It's like, you know, there's something in there. Because like I said, I just, I said, I'm going to pull it up, put it all out. I'm going to be as vulnerable as I can be. Also hoping that somebody will take something away from it that may spark them. You know, may. So. Absolutely love it. And that's what it's all about. Authenticity and vulnerability, that's the underlying theme of the show. And um, and uh, you're definitely yeah. living it, and I appreciate it. Guys, thanks. Thank you. It's been great. Thanks for coming on the show. I'd love to stay in touch and possibly have you come back. Oh, love it. Love it. There's so much to talk about. Oh, yeah, there. for sure. Yeah. All right, Beverly, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much again. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.